What's up, you all? Welcome back to another episode of Capturing Self. This is your host, Simply Nikki. Today's episode, I have Darren Bird here sharing with us his story. Welcome, Darren. Hello, everybody. Hey, Nikki. Thanks for uh, having me on, Simply Nikki. Yes, welcome, welcome, welcome. So before we jump into any questions, I want Darren to go ahead and introduce himself in his own way. Um, I've known him around the community and he he's all for the youth and um, he's a coach, he's a motivational speaker, um, he's a father, and he has a story that he wants to share with you all. But first, I want him to just give a, a just a brief um, background about yourself. Um, as I'm Darren Bird, um coach community advocate street advocate just you know all around guy kind of put myself in um in circles and places you know where i'm needed uh always willing to jump in and help uh around the city of dayton and sometimes outside of montgomery county or the state uh i coach high school football high school basketball and also coach high school baseball and i'm constantly uh mentoring as much as possible Okay, I'll share with the viewers a little bit more about your story. Well, the 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 back in the day me was he he, he wasn't a very pleasant guy to be around. Well, you know, I was uh, involved in a whole lot of uh, street activity, running around town, part of the violence, uh, fighting, um, you know, selling um, unauthorized uh, items, <laughs> you know. Uh, just kind of running with the wrong crowd. And, uh, you know, some of them happen to be, you know, family members and stuff like that. So we kind of hung close and kind of done the same thing and uh, grouped up and eventually formed this this little gang, little pack thing or whatever that we were all a part of. And so made you gravitate towards having a, you know, being a part of a gang or, you know, doing some of the things that you were a part of in the streets. Well, I... I like to tell, tell everybody, um, even though my dad wasn't in the house, you know, I had strong presence with my mom and grandma, aunts and stuff like that. My mom was college ed educated and she always, you know, preached us about doing the right thing. I kind of stuck my nose over on that side because I, it looked fun, I guess. It, it looked exciting more than the just the normal stuff that, you know, I was being taught, you know, being in school, you know, reading, having manners and stuff like that. So I I willingly went over, you know, to that other side to do, you know, wrong and crime as, as opposed to some of my friends and stuff that was doing it as a necessity to kind of feed their family, maybe get cars and maybe get shoes and just getting some of the things. I, I wasn't really, I wasn't rich, but I wasn't poor either. Mm-hmm. So growing up, you know, I know you said that your mom and your grandmother, you had those um, people in your life that were helping you, guiding you, but you still chose other ways to live. Were there other people in your life as far as male mentors that you 
back then that were trying to help you or was there not as much? Yeah, after I got probably maybe about 13 or 14, I always had my uh, mom's uh, two brothers. Uh, they were always served like mentors. One was a Marine, Vietnam vet and stuff like that. The other one was an athlete who ended up getting drafted by, you know, a different pro, uh, several different pro teams and played. So they served as my mentors while they were still, you know, going through their life. So they were there as much as possible, but probably about 13 or 14, she uh, really took me down to the church and really got me mentors like, hey, take him like right now he needs some guidance. So um, the uh, and that's when I really started playing kind of like organized sports. So the men that were coaching me, uh, Mr. Pearson at the Mohawks, Mr. Holloway back at Hickory Dale, um, they all start, you know, the park leaders back when you have had had summer in the park, those park leaders and all those men were, um, you know, became my mentors and always talked to me about doing something different, staying out of trouble, mainly, you know, doing the right thing, uh, going to college or being successful and always coming back and giving back the same way they were giving back to me. It was like, kind of like, we doing it for you. And the only thing we want you to do is to do it for somebody, just pass it along, and you know, spread this thing that we have going on. Right. Awesome. So do you think that what you're doing sports and stuff, do you think that kind of helped you have somewhat, what of an outlet and keep you kind of focused in a way? Yeah, I um definitely because it was times back when I was in high school and junior high school where um it, it almost mimicked that boys in the hood movie, like you know, Trey and, and other guys, they was at work and you know the other characters were getting in trouble because they really didn't have nothing to do. Well, it was it was the same way for some of us in the neighborhood and stuff like that. Like sports really, really like saved our lives, I would say, because we would leave practice our games and hear about somebody, you know, getting locked up or, you know, maybe being shot and one time some, you know, killed and stuff like that. So we kind of stayed in sports, um, no matter how good or bad we was, because that was like our safe haven. You know, we was part of something working together and, uh, it just, uh, it just kept us like out of, out of trouble and out of neighborhoods because most of the time we were at practice or at games, so we really didn't have time for, you know, to be in the neighborhood and doing some of the other things that got some of those guys in trouble. Right, and I, I think that is so helpful, especially with males. I feel like sports is a great outlet for them to really kind of, you know, burn off some of that energy and keep them focused versus being caught up in what's going out in the world. But after, you know, doing playing sports and having these different mentors in your life, at what point did you realize it was time to change from doing some of the other things that you were doing outside of sports? Uh, it was probably after I had already had a daughter. And after my uh, first sons were born, they were close, uh, close in age. And I can remember probably a year before I like changed or got out of it or whatever, I always say I have two birthdays, my natural birthday in March and my other second birthday, which usually people mark it by baptism or something like that. I call it like my spiritual awakening birthday, which was like October of like 94 or 95, um, where I have been praying just to God, like, God, I don't want to die out here in the streets. I don't want to go to jail. You know, I'm more, you know, I'm much smarter than I appear to be, you know, uh, 
people just see me and think, oh, who, who are you fighting tonight? Or, you know, just that kind of stuff. It was just, I had like a, a bad boy, like image and stuff like that. Um, and I just prayed to God every day, like leaving the house and getting up in the morning, God, find me something to do, please. I don't want to die and I want my kids to come visit me in jail. I want to, you know, be there for them. It just really kind of like changed my outlook, being around them and seeing them and then having flashes of, I might not be here like to see them, you know, grow up. And my daughter, she's the oldest one. I might not be here to give her away, you know, when she get married. So I just like I had the same conversation every day, like riding, doing stuff like even doing wrong. I was still praying to God, God, get me out of here. I don't want to do that, but I'm still going to go sell this. But, <laughs> you know, so I, I just I mean, I, I just was praying. And one day it just um uh, I ran into, you know, a kid down at the store, like right down the street from the house. And, you know, he was just out there, you know, kind of, you know, scruffy looking or whatever. And I'm like, hey, you know, because I got kids myself, like, why are you not in school? It's school time. And he was like, I'm trying to get some money to feed my, you know, my sister and brother. And I'm like, you should be in school. You know, that's that, you know, you you on two both sides, like you, you, you doing wrong. But right. you don't, you you know, it's even worse or bad if you pass it on to a young guy or show them, you know, the the wrong way as opposed to the to the right way. So I told him, look, I don't almost threaten him. Like I, if I see you down here again, I'm gonna do something to you. So um, how can we fix this problem? He's like, if I, I get some food, you know, I won't be down here. I can go to school. I won't have to worry about being hungry. Um, so I took him to the store, got him some groceries, um, you know, taking him home and riding, you know, he showed me where he lived and everything is looking familiar and pulled up on the house. And I'm like, mm, is such and such your mom? He like, yeah, how, you know, how you know my mom? And, you know, if shame had a face, it probably would have been me in the dictionary. Like that's, you know, that's him right there. I mean, just all the shameful and that boastful street pride and stuff like that, that I carried, you know, that ego and stuff like that, like was real shattered because his mom was like one of my best customers. So I felt like I put this kid out on the street hungry, you know, missing education and stuff just from me having a, a, a drug relationship with his mom. And, um, I, you know, I felt bad, you know, dropping off and, you know, went home and I don't know uh, if people, I mean, I'm sure people have it, but not maybe spoke of it. You know, that spiritual warfare is like really real where you have the good in your ear and the bad in your ear is telling you, you know, telling you this and telling you that. And it's kind of like showing you like she going to get high anyway. She going to get it from somebody else, you know, and the good part saying, well, it don't have to be from you. You know, you don't have to do it. You know, you could do something, you know, different. So uh, in the car, I, I sat in the car and cried. I'm not a real crier, but <laughs> I, you know, emotional crying, you know, that spiritual warfare, it was like something else. I had had it, but not, it was, I mean, it just seemed like they was like right here, like tapping, you know, on my head or whatever. So I sat in the car for a while, probably about two hours, just crying what I'm going to do, you know, praying to God, having that conversation. You know, I had that cool conversation with him because I didn't know how to pray, pray, even though I was raised at the church. But, you know, it's your personal conversation, just, you know, having God completely 
I, I'm asking you, you know, answer my prayers, get, you know. So two days later, I went to the old YMCA in Jefferson to sign my kids up because once again, we say sports, even though they had a dad in their life, but the village and, you know, being a part of something always, you know, is that added help and, you know, stuff that you needed. So I was really kind of following my mom's footsteps about making sure I just was starting them a little early. And the guy came out, all these kids out here running around and uh, came out and said, we're going to have to cancel, you know, this flag football. I don't have a coach. And, you know, and it's uh, one of those outer body or whatever type experiences where I don't remember raising my hand saying I want to do it or anything like that. And I just remember I had the bag. I'm trying to mimic what, you know, I was taught playing football and all that stuff and setting these little guys up five and six years old and, you know, getting there. And, we, you know, we had a good practice. Everybody was happy, had fun. After I dropped my kids off at home, I went back home and I just, you know, uh, got out of the car, just fell to the ground. And like, God, I got it. I, I got it. This is, this is what I'm supposed to be doing because I asked you. And this is what you put in place because I know I can't be a hypocrite really with my own kids coaching them and then leaving, going, you know, doing something wrong and all that kind of stuff. I, I wanted them to make sure that I was, you know, be there for the season. They could depend on me. I didn't want the police coming up and arresting me or something during the game yeah. or somebody I might have had an issue with in the streets or something, seeing it, you know, retaliating or anything like that around there. So, I was just, I was just done. Like from that day, you know, done, like, you know, got rid of the drugs, you know, you know, passed out money, went to the, to the, to the young man's house, his mom or whatever, you know, gave her money. Cause I always had a job. So I just figured like, Oh, I can't afford this on my job. So it has to go. I'm going to give it away. So I gave a whole lot of clothes, gym shoes and stuff, homeless shelter and all that. And I never, never looked back. Like, you know, I just, okay, God, you, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I ask for you do. As long as you're going to look out for me, take care of, I, I'm, I'm all in. And I, I like never looked back then. That was, whew, I think my son just turned 30. So that's 25 plus years ago that I've been, you know, being out of the way and, you know, just trying to do, you know, the right things. So and raising the kids, even though I still had, some little, you know, little flaws, you know, got a lot of kids and stuff like that out of wedlock and stuff like that. But I knew I was going to be the best father I could, despite the circumstances. I wasn't going to run away because of, you know, maybe a child support issue, a money issue, you know, anything like that. Right, so, right. And, and, and also it was, it, 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 you know, having them kids in there and coaching, it, it, it helped with my fees. <laughs> <laughs> right, that too, right. right. Yeah. <laughs> because for those who do not know you, um, you know, during that time when you were out in the streets, I know you said you only had maybe one or two kids at the time, but for those who do not know you, you have 16 kids, if I'm yeah. not mistaken, is that correct? Yeah, yeah um, 16, 12 boys and four girls. And I had a, a younger son who passed away. So he's part of my 16. Wow. So how do you, you know, being a parent is hard, you know, and and even as a father trying to fill that that space, how do you make time for and try to be present in all of their lives? Well, I I first had to had to make a uh, a kind of amends and stuff with, with their mother, but 
their mothers, but we were kind of on the same page. They didn't hold hold anything against the kids because the kids, you know, intermingled and stuff like that was at each other's houses, so they knew each other. So it wasn't nothing about, oh, I got to go get him, or I got to go get her and get them together, whatever. They kind of floated in and out of each other's houses. But kind of just having like a sit down and talking to them and, you know, uh, saying, I'm I'm not going nowhere. I don't care what you do. I'm going to be there. If I got to, you know, stand on the sideline or if I got to go talk to the principal and get their schedule so I won't miss no programs and stuff like that. And I just, I just went at it just like not so much as a job, but just got everything. Okay. Who is this? I mean, you, if you would have seen my calendar and stuff like that before the digital age, it was like here, 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 but I made sure that they were all in the same program. So that helped out a lot. So we was playing football. They was all in the program. Even the girls cheer. If we was playing basketball, we was all in the same program. It helped. It only kind of got a little hectic when they went to high school. So have, you know, one with the CJ and some at Troutwood, some at Wayne and stuff like that. But it was just constant, constant being there. No matter how big or small, I was, I was there, you know, regardless of if me and the mom maybe wasn't seeing eye to eye on some things or whatever. So they always knew they could pick up the phone. And then like Summers, they literally like had a, a, a movement. Oh, yeah, you're going with your dad for the whole summer. And then weekends were the same thing. I didn't have to tell them you know they didn't have to call and ask to drop them off it was just like oh drop them off by six because you know i had a game or you know whatever and they'd be running around the stands on the field and stuff like that so i was always like there so and they and they knew that <laughs> you know they yeah. knew that so yeah yeah so how have you ever felt like you had to have a sit down with your kids or would you have a mostly boys have a sit down with them and kind of just give them some of your life story and let them understand where you came from and why you do what you do for them? Yeah. Um, of course, with, with, with having, with having, um, you know, those kids and start seeing them at the age where I start being uh, nosy about, you know, the other, other, other parts of life, you know, the good parts and even some of the bad parts, uh, always had a conversation. I used to always kind of be upset when people found out those were my kids and started talking about the bad things or the bad parts of me that they didn't know or even I didn't get to talk to them, you know what I'm saying, beforehand. Mm -hmm. You know, you had guys, oh man, your dad was a gangster, he was a thug, he da 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 da, and they looking at me like, all this dude do is work, you know what I'm saying? Like, he just worked and coached, you know, we don't know. So after they got to a certain age, we started talking and stuff, because I, I used to uh, uh, be a bodyguard and, you know, and be on the road and stuff for some shows and all that stuff. So I was, you know, that that allowed me to be, you know, gone for a little while, but still enough, you know, making enough money to take care of them and still be a part of their life. But yeah, we had some hard conversations, you know, even with, you know, the daughters and challenges, we still do. Like we all like in the same group text, if one have a problem or, you know, they have an issue back and forth or whatever, they already know I'm the mediator and we know we'll sit down and we'll talk about it. And, you know, just like we used to, we used to sit at the table and talk like, you know, however you're going to talk. But, you know, we're going to talk about it right now because I didn't want them to be out in the world mad or why they didn't understand, like, why I'm with his mom 
or and whatnot, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. So oh, right, right. <laughs> I never, I was, I was, I never lied to them, but I, I, I gave them information and fed them when I thought their maturity levels and all that type of stuff could handle. So I gave it to them in layers. How did you get to the point where you said, you know what, I'm going to start sharing my story with other people and being a mentor? Well, it probably, I used to like just share it like within whatever the organization and stuff that I kind of work, but about 11 years ago, I got a job with uh, Omega CDC and uh, was a street advocate uh, in this program, Com Community Initiative to Reduce Gun Violence, where we were working with gang or group members or however they want to group it to stay out of jail, stay free, stay alive. And we just kind of kind of like helped them like through that. So in that process, I had like maybe 30 guys that I worked with on a, on a, you know, on we on that was on my caseload. And I started sharing with them. And through that sharing, and, and my, my partner Marlon Shackleford and Tony Ruby. So with that sharing, we um you know, like you need to tell more. People don't know, you know, people might know the old you and then people might know the new, but they don't know, you know, that transition, you know, and stuff like that. So I just, I just start, you know, I just start talking, not just to the athletes or the people I was working with. I start coming out of my comfort zone because I'm really not a talker or anybody know me back in the day, like that guy shy, you know, cause I didn't done a little acting and all that. And they looking and like, him like you know we just known him either he was gonna fight or he wasn't gonna talk <laughs> you know so it was um it was it was a good feeling like the first time i've done it you know always been like a writer and stuff like that i always kept a journal writing stuff down and i just begin to share and i start seeing how my story start really affecting people especially the fatherhood and tell them how to balance that out with your kids and how you have to be there no matter what, you know, because they depend on you, you know, it doesn't really have nothing to do with money because I wasn't a millionaire, you know, and, you know, and I was telling them that out of all of my kids, uh, none of them have felonies, none of them been to jail besides, you know, traffic stuff, you know, all finished high school, some college, some college degree. So, you know, by, just the standards coming from a single parent home myself and then having the kids, you know, having, you know, kids and stuff like that. Like we should have some type of, you know, some type of tragedy or something like that. And God, you know, protected, you know, for whatever reason, I guess, because I serving uh, that we haven't, you know, had that, that type of issue. So I just start sharing and stuff like that. And, speaking at this place and that place and that, and then it just, it just kind of like took off and, you know, people just come back and like, Hey, I didn't even know that about you. This helped me and, you know, helped me. And I wasn't doing it for that, but I mean, for the, you know, the wars and the pats on the back, I was just, you know, doing it and talking and I, and I, and I, and then I started to realize through the talking that it really, really helped, you know, help somebody like you should tell your story because you never know what, that person is going through or might have gone through or might be at that crossroads where you can kind of help them, you know, make a better decision or at least think about it Definitely. a little bit more. Definitely. Also in the summer, you and I believe is it Coach Parker? Yes. You guys um, have a camp for boys, all boys. All boys. 
Can you tell um, everyone more about that and how many kids you generally serve? Okay, well, it's it's called the Extraordinary Men Mentoring Group, and uh, Coach Anthony Parker, he was one of one of one of the uh, guys that I coached back in high school at Jefferson. Was one of my first high school jobs, and we I have mentored him, even though it's, he, he I mean I'm older, but we still had that mentor friend. We like big brother, little brother now, but i'll always work with him on stuff and always needed him you know he would come and you know talk to service so we was just sitting around because we coach basketball and stuff together at uh west carrollton was sitting around like just you know kind of the news the social media popping up and stuff we was dealing with with our kids he had a kid still in high school um you know he had a kid that just went to college and i had one that was a senior just talking about you know certain you know situations and we was like, what can what can we do? Not what can anybody else like? What can me? I'm asking him that. And he asking me that, and we kind of put our heads together. We have been talking about it for about a year or two, like doing something, you know, in the summer or maybe after school program because we ran an AAU, uh, the pilot program, and where we were doing the mentoring. So we wanted to do something in the summer. So the uh, last summer was our second year. Um, uh, but the, the first year we started with just 30 kids because we didn't know how it was going to go or whatever, you know, got the little program, what we was going to teach. And we was going to make sure that we taught um, uh, exclusively the black experience, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they didn't know the, the black national anthem. They didn't know about black. Well, so we want to make sure that we changed their mindset from giving them information about black people that, you know, were successful. All they knew was like kind of rappers and LeBron and you know what I'm saying? And stuff like that. They didn't know half the stuff that they used was invented by black people. So um, we just started there, you know, motivational speaking, you know, giving them affirmation words and stuff like that. And then this year, even though it was COVID, we was allowed to still have the camp and we were up over 60 kids. (laughs) it was, I mean, it was just like the, 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 uh, the spirit, you know, we don't, we didn't, we didn't really had the women come in there because, you know, they baby them. No, no, they it, was, it was just all men, you know, all, all men coming in and we had people, you know, from all walks of life coming in, talking to them, Air Force, uh, professional athletes, professional business people, uh, plumbers. If you was a plumber, you would have to bring pipes and wrenches and kind of really show them you know, all kind of stuff. So, you know, we even done a Black Wall Street where they had to invent um, some type of product. We set it up, sell it, you know, keep your books and all of that type of stuff. Uh, and and also, you know, mentored them the whole time. They thought they was having fun because we had bouncy houses. We had probably about 60 bikes that was donated and all this kind of stuff. But it was all mentoring and getting them together, you know, especially with the George Floyd type of stuff or whatever, you know, we told them about how they should react in those type of, you know, situations and stuff like that, you know, and just gave them information, loved them, hugged them, you know, treated them rough, everything. (laughs) That's awesome because I know, I feel like we have a lack of mentoring groups for males i see a lot of young girl mentoring programs i have started Mm -hmm. my own before i have so many in in a community but there's not that much for the males Mm -hmm. and i feel like it it leaves so much openness for them to kind of just 
be led by people that don't want the same things for them. Um, And to watch you guys do it. I mean, I've seen some videos um, and just the things that you're teaching them that they may think is fun, but this is something that's instilling, you know, you guys are instilling in them for their future that they may not know the usefulness of it now, Mm -hmm. but they can take it with them forever. So that, that, that is so awesome with, what have you learned with the, is it been two years now, two summers? Yeah. Uh-huh. What What have you guys learned that the, the young males are still missing in the community? Um, They're missing probably the village, the village aspect of it, even though we have a lot of, a lot of guys helping us, you know, when their schedule permits, like it's not just me and coach Parker, but we have another guys and some guys and stuff on staff but it could be more. I think that um, the young men of the day, at, after a certain age, they don't feel comfortable talking to a woman, mm-hmm. you know, maybe embarrassed and stuff like that. And sometimes the male in their life, they don't feel like they talking. You know, I have, uh, you know, my, my one of my best friends, my brother, like Carrie Ivy, like, my boys sometimes feel comfortable talking to him first and then come and talking to me and his son like the same way. So that village aspect of every man being available and every man caring and every man, you know, chipping in, not that that ain't my kid. I don't care. I'm just going to coach him and then, you know, let him be, you know, let him run loose. I, I'm always correcting some kid. I might not, hey, 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 you know, pull your pants up. You know what I'm saying? Do this. Do you know you're a king? Do you know? you know, stuff. And and that's the way, even though um, early in life, it came from my mom and my grandma teaching me stuff like that. But, you know, just to pass it on. But I, I really think that's that's probably what's missing. Like we'll walk past and be like, that kid's bad. I don't want to do it. Like we want to work with the kid that's already there and they already have everything. That's why I'm like, what are you going to the suburbs for? They already have it. Nothing against the suburbs and all that stuff. But the kids that's that you pass by every day, you know, might be your neighbor, your little cousin and stuff like that. We don't stop them and, you know, give them a good word of advice and, and you know, keep contact with them, like call, like, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's a, that village is so, so important. And I think that is what we're missing now, because now, like you said, some people are ignoring certain behaviors that go on in our community with the youth and they, you know, keep on walking past versus when I grew up too, when I was younger, my grandmother, my aunt, whoever, if you in trouble, the auntie going to get you, the mama going to get you, the uncle going to get you. But now it's just like, no one has respect for elders, their authority, you know, and to still have men in the community that's willing like, hey, let get it all the way together. Like, is pull your pants up, fix your attitude, you know, put it in check. And I feel like it's very awesome coming from a male to a male because, you know, like you said, as mothers sometimes or women, we can come a little bit softer or too sensitive, or we may come at them at a way where they can't receive it, you know? So I'm so thankful for you sharing your story with me and allowing me to ask you more questions about Mm -hmm. your background. And before we get off of here, is there anything else that you want to share with somebody that may be walking the path that you have walked before or someone that's, you know, in a, in a phase of mentoring or even just a young person that feels like there's no other option for them, but the streets. I would, I would, yeah, I would definitely tell them that right here in front of you, 
is a person that kind of went through everything, you know, two felonies, door slammed in, in your face and all that stuff, you know, kids, you know, low paying jobs and all that stuff. And I'm still here being effective, you know, doing something positive in the world. Uh, you can never like give up and, you know, we always go back to that sports and that's what sports teach you. Like working hard, working to the end, working smarter. I would tell people it, it looks, it looks like that. Like you can't see no light at the end of that tunnel, but it's anywhere is darkness. It's always light somewhere. So I would suggest that whatever your issue is, you know, tell, you know, the person in charge of you, if it's your mother, grandma, auntie, or whatever, I need to be where the men at. I need some questions answered. I need this. And also to those, those women, like reach out, you know what I mean? Reach out. Hey, coach, I need, you know, I need you to talk to him. Forget that football or that basketball. I need him to hear a message and, you know, like that, uh, because if you don't, you you you'll you'll think the world is against you, and you'll think you can't can't be successful, and you can't do a lot of things because of some of the barriers and stuff in your life. But you can do anything you want want to do, as long as you set yourself up and first ask for help and realize you you know you had a problem. I knew I had a problem, so I just prayed about it. But we're talking about now where. They're not so much connected, you know, with the church and with, you know, God and stuff. They think it's just like, oh, we go Easter, Christmas or somebody die. So it's almost like a street ministry, you know. You can't really guide them to death because they don't know. So you got to gradually with anything, it's like spoon feed them, you know, and then they're eventually going to do everything and they're going to be some of your biggest, you know, advocates. So I would tell everybody out there, like, you know, get on board, call. It's not just me. It's a couple of, you know, other people. I just say I'm happen to be the best because, you know, I got a little ego. But, you know, me and my crew or whatever, and it, we can always help. You know, we always got time. Like, drop them off. You know, that's what I always say. Drop them off. I put them on the phone. Or I'm coming over there. And it 12 or 13 guys come to do an intervention. Like, boy, you're going to get straight. And we watching you. You know, all that kind of stuff. So I think you know, like my mom, she had to kind of like turn her back and, you know, let them mentors and uncles like rough us up and, you know, teach us some man stuff that, you know, she couldn't do it. So, you know, y'all teach them the emotional part, you know, right. coming out, we was told don't cry, suck it up, you know, doing all that. So we just hold our feelings in and then, you know, we don't know how they're going to come out or, you know, anything like that. So that's, that's, that's what that mentor or that male comes in because he knows because he's been through it before. So he can always say like, yeah, he's on edge. He's on bus. So let me, th this is what's going on. <laughs> right. Thank you so much, Darren, for sharing your story. And for those of you who are watching, whether you are male or female, if you're going through some things and you feel like you're by yourself, seek out help. Find somebody that you feel like you can relate to or that can pour into you so that you can really find your gift and your calling um, because we all have a purpose out here, but we mm -hmm. first have to heal. We have to heal and we have to, and, and I know, you, like you said, a lot of people don't want to talk about God, but we have to have God at the center of our lives to refocus us and get us back on track. Yes. But until next time, you guys, I want you to tune in to the next episode to come with the inner healing series. It's about change. It's about pushing through because there's greatness out there for you. And we want that for you. So until next time, you all, you need to know your life, 
own your life and control your life because at the end of the day, it's your story. Have a good week.